we talked to them about the supplier diversity goals and, and asked them, what are the categories that you all need for this year? What are the categories mm-hmm. that we can help you with for this mm-hmm. year from a diverse supplier perspective to meet your goal? And they were able to provide us with that information. And from that partnership and that collaboration, we were able to source uh, seven suppliers for last year's academy. And then the resulting was that all seven suppliers either won work or uh, received the opportunity to bid for work based off of their participation in the academy. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. We'd also like to thank TechCXO for its sponsorship of this podcast. Get proven hands-on C-suite executives to take on an interim role and provide fractional help in lead projects. TechCXO on-demand executive model consistently delivers time and cost savings of 50 to 75% compared to a full-time in-house function. They have helped their clients secure over $4 billion in debt and equity financing and have advised clients on over 200 transactions, including due diligence preparation, and financing alternatives. To learn more, please visit their website at techcxo.com. Hey, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore and with my co-host, Chloe Goodry-Reed. So glad to be back with you all today. And joining us is John Suber uh, from Freddie Mac. John, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here with you. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, John and I, of course, know each other uh, in the supplier diversity world. We're also members of the Financial Services Roundtable for Supplier Diversity. So John is very well versed uh, in all things uh, supplier diversity and helping build and develop suppliers. So I think we should just kind of jump right into this one today. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on, John. I mean, if you could just high level, tell us a little bit about what Freddie Mac is all about and what they do and what their purpose is, that would be great just for our listeners. Yeah, sure would be. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, So a lot of people don't know this, but um, Freddie Mac was actually chartered by Congress in 1970. And the reason Mm -hmm. was to keep money flowing into the mortgage, uh, to mortgage lenders, to support home ownership and rental housing. So the mission of our company is actually to provide liquidity, stability, and affordability in the U.S. Mm -hmm. housing market. So it's a pretty great mission to get up and go to work every day. And Freddie is focused on building a better housing finance system by supporting the housing market and improving our, our business and innovating for the future. I love well, that's, that. That's absolutely wonderful because, you know, I think a lot of times people can s- confuse you guys with some of the other f- true federal agencies out there, and you guys are not, right? You're a private bank. Correct. And we're a government-sponsored enterprise. Um, okay. So basically, that means we're under the conservatorship of the Federal Housing Finance Authority, and we operate in the secondary mortgage market. Mm-hmm. Ah, excellent. Thank you. I, I know that clears it up in my mind for sure. Definitely absolutely. clears it up. So we don't necessarily make loans, but if you right. think of America's lenders as retail stores, where the people, uh, where people get mortgages, the secondary mortgage market is their supplier. So Freddie Mac is one of the biggest buyers of home mortgages in the U.S., um, along with Fannie Mae, but uh, Freddie Mac, one of the biggest buyers of mortgages in the U.S., and that's considered the secondary mortgage conduit between the lenders and investors. Gotcha. That's a mouthful, but I, I think everyone should... 
I think we all understand that, especially homeowners yep. for sure. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and as such, I mean, when you're when you're serving America, I mean, I'm sure, you know, having Absolutely. a diverse supplier base is critically important as well. Yep. So, yep. John, can you tell us a little bit about the supplier diversity program that you have? Because obviously, if you have all these requirements and mm-hmm. reporting, you have to have a robust supplier inclusion program. And so I, yep. we'd love to hear a little bit more about what that looks like at Freddie Mac. Absolutely. Um, so within the supplier diversity program at Freddie Mac, we really have three pillars um, that we try to uh, operate in. So the first is pipeline and pipeline consists of us working with our enterprise supply chain partners to identify the uh, opportunities that we have for our diverse suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 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 a, obviously a very important um, engagement that we have um, within our supplier diversity program. What's different is that we don't actually sit in procurement. We sit within the Office of Inclusive Engagement, which is our inclusion and diversity arm. I mentioned that. Uh, mm-hmm. So pipeline is the first outreach is second. So that's where we work with our uh, all our certifying body partners. So NMSDC, WeBank um, and I'll, backup in the National Minority Supplier Development Council, uh, WeBank, um, NGLCC, and all our certifying bodies so that mm-hmm. we make sure that we do the proper outreach, attend the national conferences, matchmaking events, uh, local events. I would also do interviews for um, our WeBank DMV affiliate uh, to make sure that we spread the word on 30 Max Supplier Diversity Program and continue to let people know what types of opportunities that we have at Freddie Mac. And then uh, the third part is development. And I think that this is one of our sweet spots at Freddie Mac, um, being able to be exposed to other people within the supplier diversity industry. We know that our development program can stack up pretty well against anybody. Um, And we've had uh, our development program since 2016. And I can talk more about that later, but that's really Mm -hmm. the third section of our, um, or third pillar to our program. And then what would uh, what's underneath all of this is a robust data analytics reporting function. So we do mm. um, quarterly reporting, uh, quarterly dashboard. So that allows us to look at division wide what all our spend is um, division by division, and it also allows us to look at what our spend is as a corporation. So uh, within those three. We do extensive reporting and that's what we get every quarter. And then also within our development program, we have a dashboard that we follow to make sure that we keep spend, keep track of all the spend that is with uh, any of the participants of our development program. So for Freddie Mac, talk to me about the type of suppliers that you guys would use or are generally engaging or Mm -hmm. looking to engage. What, what, What kind of services does a Freddie Mac procure? There's a, a wide range of services and people will be surprised. Uh, I get asked that question a lot. So mm-hmm. we basically bake, break our suppliers down into or our areas of opportunity or categories into two uh, overall sections. And then there's um, uh, categories within those. So technology solutions is the first one. So anyone in data services, so data analytics, business intelligence, uh, dashboard creation, Uh, We also do managed services, which is you take a project and you manage it from end to end without uh, with little input from Freddie Mac. Um, And then we're looking at connectivity, IT infrastructure, IT products, software applications, cloud and software as a service. And then on the other side of that, we have uh, professional services. So we look for um, within human resources. So typically training, things of that nature um, for our Freddie Mac University system, Uh, also legal. And then we do staffing. So like most um, 
other companies in our industry. We do contingent labor, uh, mm-hmm. which is staff augmentation. Uh, we also do marketing, so marketing communications vendors, uh, mm-hmm. graphic and design, um, customer operations, and then we do professional services. So IT professional services, which is typically consulting, and then non-IT, which is advisory, finance, and risk. Obviously, we're in the financial services industry, so uh, risk is a huge thing. And then we also do uh, facilities or corporate services, uh, administration, and travel. So it, it really spans um, across a lot of different industries. We work with uh, a lot of different vendors in these spaces, um, but those are the main categories that we source for. So help our, our listeners kind of understand how big your bank is, right? So uh, unlike a, a private commercial bank, we can be walking down the street and you see, you know, a branch here and a branch there. You don't see a, a Freddie Mac branch, right? Uh, out on Give us an idea of what the Freddie Mac footprint is. I mean, how big are you? Because if I'm a supplier, I'm saying, go, well, that sounds great. You know, I have a, uh, I have a facilities maintenance um, firm, but I don't know how big Freddie, Freddie Mac is. I mean, do I need to be in all 50 states, the contiguous 48, the, the territory? So give us an idea what that footprint looks like, John. Sure. So uh, our headquarters is in McLean, uh, Virginia. We also have offices in Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, um, so we are spread out across the country, but our main offices are in McLean, and that's where uh, we all sit um, in terms of the Office of Inclusive Engagement and our supplier diversity mm-hmm. team. So um, from a footprint standpoint, everything will come through McLean. Gotcha. So you guys are a more of a centralized buying model than a uh, kind of a local buying model. Is that correct? Right. So, mm. yes, that is correct. Which is okay. genius because you're able Truly. to really roll up everything and see what's mm-hmm. going on across your entire organization as opposed to, you know, individual P&Ls sort of making their own sort of buying decisions. It's very hard to aggregate that information and see the big picture. Absolutely. So, you know, I think one of the things that Adam and I talked about offline was how robust the development program is that, yeah, that Freddie Mac it's has. Awesome. I would love to hear because so many organizations are trying to figure that mm-hmm. out. What does development look like for us? And what does development look like when you've got, you know, all of these intergenerational entrepreneurs and, you know, you've got baby boomers, you've got Gen X, you've got millennials, and you've got all these different industries, you know, from what you said. I mean, what is, talk to us just about how you break down development and, you know, what that means for those suppliers who get to participate in those development mm-hmm. programs. Absolutely. Um, And and development, like I I talked about, development is a main pillar of our program. And it's Mm -hmm. obviously it's something that's near and dear to my heart. When I first came into uh, Freddie Mac, when I was first hired at Freddie Mac, um, I was tasked with uh, building out the uh, supplier development program, actually enhancing what was already Mm -hmm. in place. Um, So Freddie Mac created this program called the Supplier Academy back in 2016. And what it did is it provides three things, um, education. So education on how to do business with Freddie Mac, because I think that's a large part of development. Not always as a supplier, do you understand how to do business with the organization and how to navigate the organization and the mm-hmm. actual goals of the organization or the business divisions that you're looking to do business with. So we try to provide education 
through our uh, supplier diversity or through our supplier academy curriculum um, to educate you on Freddie Mac as a whole, um, the business area that you'll be uh, working with or want to work with. And then we mm -hmm. also provide you an education on our enterprise supply chain. So everything from how the categories break down to what is a master services agreement to what is expected of you as a vendor and what can you expect from a risk management process when you come through Freddie Mac as a vendor. Um, then there's the opportunity. So we try to match intentionally bring in suppliers that are meeting with uh, that meet the business needs at the time that we run the academy. So we want to make sure that we provide these suppliers that come through our development program with the opportunity to present their capabilities. So we have a capability presentation day as a part of every supplier academy. And during that, you get to present your capabilities to category managers and supply chain as also contract owners within the business. And then awareness. So the next thing is we want to bring awareness, not just to uh, the suppliers on the uh, Freddie Mac employee side, but we also want to make sure that we, the contract owners have awareness of the skills and capabilities of the diverse suppliers that we're bringing to uh, the supplier academy, to our supplier academy. Because a lot of times you may hear diverse supplier and they may think um, that they can't compete with the big four. When in actuality, the person that is running or the owner or founder of the, uh, the diverse business that we're trying to bring awareness to, they actually came from the big four and hired mm -hmm. people from the big four and they right. wouldn't work against the big four all the time. So it's, it's also an opportunity for uh, our category managers to be educated on the true mm. capabilities of these businesses. And then that allows them to be advocates uh, for that business without us being there. So we're trying to make sure that we bring these businesses to the forefront. The category manager has awareness so that when the category manager is engaging with the business areas for opportunities, they already have that diverse supplier in their head without having mm -hmm. to reach out to us. I that sounds that. like an amazing program, John. How did you, just out of curiosity, how did you get buy-in uh, from the various levels of management and some of, you know, like your service manager types, the, the, the guys and gals are actually out in the field? A lot, a lot of work. Um, <laughs> I bet. Uh, it's I a lot bet. of, it's a lot of influencing and, and to, mm -hmm. um, to our credit, to Freddie Mac's credit, that the organization is very um, willing to uh, try different vendors. And they're also willing to listen about the benefits of uh, the supplier Academy. Um, so what we did is essentially go and present to the different divisions um, and this is, I'll talk about kind of how we did it and then how we pivoted um, mm. to a new way of doing things. Um, so what we did in pre-COVID was we would go out to each of the business divisions and meet with them and try to figure out what areas of opportunity do they have in their division that would need uh suppliers. So mm -hmm. what do you have coming down the pike? What's your uh, innovation pipeline or what are your new initiatives that you have coming out that you could use um, diverse vendors? So mm -hmm. with that, we lay out to them that one, we manage the program so you don't have to do anything, but mm. this is also an opportunity for you and your employees to come and participate in this program by presenting what your business needs are by going to enterprise supply chain and having them come and do their uh, education or uh, education component on teaching the suppliers how to do business at Freddie Mac. Um, and then that's a win for supply chain because they get to talk about, talk to suppliers um, 
and they already have, uh, they prepare these suppliers to do business. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a lot of influencing. It's a lot of talking about the benefits of bringing in diverse suppliers. And then it's also, we're helping you find businesses. So the way that I look at it is um, the business areas are our customers and um, we want to make sure that we put forth the, the program is our product. So we want to put forth mm-hmm. a good program that the business sees value in and the, um, the suppliers also see value in because both of those, uh, both of those key stakeholders have to have uh, a positive experience with the program mm-hmm. in order for this to continue. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. I mean, they're your customers, the business units are your customers, but you're also advocates for the suppliers. I mean, there's a lot of advocacy work when you say influence, it's really advocating for them. And I mean, I think one thing that you brought up that I just love that you pointed out was, you know, when you are, when you do have these, these category managers do have some of these opportunities Mm -hmm. and they're competing against the big four, but yet, you know, one of these executives probably came out of the big four. I mean, that's a win for, your for Freddie Mac, because obviously that's going to improve EBITDA margins as well, because you're not going to have to pay right. that big four sticker price. Absolutely. So um, I think that that's an incredible way to to advocate, but also let them know you're getting the same level of service. You're not getting less. Yep. You're getting more, actually. Right. right. You know, and that and that all makes sense. Right, Chloe. And and, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Right. Because we can mm-hmm. discuss EBITDA on going with a smaller vendor makes a lot of sense. But, and and I'm going to kick this question over to John because I can't wait to hear the response. (laughs) You know, the phrase in the banking world is nobody got fired for hiring the big four, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's something that I think we hear all the time in in Mm -hmm. various facets. So how did you overcome some of that, um, I don't want to say unwillingness, but maybe reticence to engage a smaller supplier? I mean, everybody can look at the the dollar signs that go, yeah, I mean, I get it. The rate's like unbelievably cheaper. Yeah, I get it. They're nimble, faster, quicker, got better ideas. But, but I'm still pretty comfortable. I won't get fired if I go use one of the other big four. So how'd you kind of get around some of that, John? Um, I think in our instance, it was going straight to the top. So we've had a, mm. in, in terms of working with our uh, VP of enterprise supply chain. So we've had a phenomenal relationship with our um with our enterprise supply chain partners and the VP of supply chain. And Mm -hmm. it was his push to want to utilize diverse suppliers in areas that we may not have in, in the areas where people were comfortable using the big four. And it just came down to if all else is equal, why wouldn't we use a diverse supplier in this space? Cause like Mm -hmm. you said, nobody ever gets fired for hiring the big four, but especially now there should be a push that we can move away some of the work from the big four that we know one of our diverse firms is capable of. Cause a lot of Mm -hmm. times you have to overcome the almost the, the I'm in inclusion and diversity. So you have to overcome the unconscious bias mm-hmm. of right, right. using a diverse supplier versus the big four, because the big four is, is a brand name. You know them, mm-hmm. you trust them, they've mm-hmm. done work. But the reality is who you think the diverse supplier is, it's not um, necessarily like a small mom and pop operation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, obviously no disrespect. I don't mean anything like that, but it's not. No, it's, of course. Talking about this is, you know, it could be a hundred million dollar company 
company that has the resources that are just as well as the big four that can produce Mm -hmm. just as good as the big four. So Mm -hmm. I think it came from one going to um, it came from working with our enterprise supply chain partners, especially the VP. So we get his buy in that he's willing to help us advocate for some of these diverse businesses to be able to take on a little bit of work from the big four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to use, I don't want to keep, obviously we talked about the big four, but there are of other course. firms, right? Of course. There are of other course. firms right. that right. some of these firms um, that some of our diverse suppliers are able to do the work, do the same work. So obviously we mentioned faster, cheaper, but in some instances, it's more about the total cost of ownership. How can you, if, you're, if your business is more nimble and your business is more innovative, and in, in a lot of instances, the, some of the smallest suppliers are very niche. So where mm-hmm. the big four can come in and they can give you someone that does data analytics, but we could provide you with a diverse supplier that does data analytics. They do dashboards, they do business intelligence because data is right. their niche. That's all they right. do. So I think that's how we managed to overcome uh, some of the bias, the inherent bias that goes along with um, wanting to use the big four over a diverse supplier. That was that's some fantastic insight, John. And, and I think it goes back to the development side and how we structure the development program, because there's a couple of changes that we made, not to go on a rant. I don't want to um, interrupt the flow, but <laughs> uh, we we use the supplier academy to help overcome those uh, to help overcome those inherent bias or so those unconscious bias. So by mm-hmm. us presenting, by us bringing in the category managers and the contract owners to witness the capability presentations based off of the information that was given to us by the business area on on contracts, we're able to provide those contract owners and those category managers the opportunity to see um, the diverse supplier in action and let them speak for themselves. So Mm -hmm. yes, we're the advocate and we have to influence, but ultimately we need to let the diverse supplier speak for themselves because when it comes down to it, your RFP, you have a diverse supplier, but we want to make sure that they just look at you as a supplier. We'd like to thank the University of Georgia Supply Chain Advisory Board for sponsoring Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. In addition to ensuring the UGA supply chain curriculum meets employers' needs, the board also connects employers with highly qualified students. Join corporate board members like Johnson & Johnson, Home Depot, and the Chick-fil-A to discover and hire tomorrow's supply chain innovators today. To learn more, go to www.terry.uga.edu, click on alumni, and find the Supply Chain Advisory Board there. And so do you help your suppliers? You know, you just mentioned the RFPs. Is part of the development process, you know, helping them with navigating some of that? Because I know that that's sometimes challenging. Is like, you know, they submit these RFPs and they never hear, you know, why they didn't yeah. get it. Do you ever sort of help them understand either on the front end, you know, here's how you know, you may want to prepare, properly prepare for this um, or on the back end, giving them feedback as to why they didn't win it? Yes. Um, so what we can do on the front end is something that we did in the Supplier Academy in 2019 is where we brought in two diverse suppliers to talk about how to structure your RFPs and mm-hmm. um, work nice. on your presentation skills. So that was part of the Love development it. aspect of it. Yeah. Um, with on the back end, we try to work with our enterprise supply chain partners to provide a debrief to mm-hmm. the diverse suppliers if they did not get, um, if they did not win the bid. Mm-hmm. Um, where that's really where we're trying to, uh, I don't know, increase the number of debriefs that mm-hmm. happen if diverse suppliers don't win work. Um, 
So I would say that enterprise supply chain has been great in terms of giving debriefs, but we want to make sure that anytime a diverse supplier doesn't win the bid, that they have the opportunity to get a debrief. It's not 100%, but we're working to, to get there. Um, but in the beginning, we do try to add some of that development aspect to it. Understood. That's fantastic. So, you know, I'd like to to go back, John, and, you know, you were talking earlier about how you were, when you first came on uh, with Freddie Mac, that your responsibility was putting the the supplier development program together. Can you just give us a, a kind of the, the journey, right, that you were on that led you to supplier diversity? I think, you know, for every supplier diversity manager that's out there, the story is a little bit different and it's fascinating, but I'd love to hear uh, you tell our audience how you actually wound up in supplier diversity and your particular role there at Freddie Mac? Oh, absolutely. It is a story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll shorten it. I went to, um, I I did my MBA at Howard University, so I'm a Mm -hmm. third generation Howard University grad. Oh, nice. Um, Shout out to HBCUs. Right, totally. You know, Um, so I was exposed to supplier diversity during my internship uh, in between my first and second years of business school at Howard. And um, at the time I was working with a a consumer products company. And at that time they wanted to, this is 2007. So their goal in supplier diversity was a billion dollars in spend with diverse suppliers by 2020. That wasn't my main project, but it was the project that I was uh, very interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward, I graduated. I worked for a different consumer product. I did my MBA in supply chain management. So I've been in supply chain most of my career. So Mm -hmm. I went to another consumer products company. I worked in logistics, production planning, innovation planning, and things of that nature. But there wasn't a supplier diversity program at that time. I made a couple more moves. Uh, I ended up in innovation at a nonprofit. And then that's when I actually met my current boss at an event for supplier diversity, Ah. one of the Mm -hmm. local events. Very cool. Yeah, networking, you never know uh, who you meet and where it can lead you. So mm-hmm. we ended up, uh, we were talking at a reception beforehand. I was sharing my background with her. She was telling me about her work at Freddie Mac. And I thought that was very interesting. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I haven't talked to somebody about like supplier diversity in, you know, a number of years. And yes. she was like, well, I'll keep you in mind, you know, if, if something ever comes open. And I think it was probably four or six months. I, I can't, it's kind of hazy about the time frame because that's around <laughs> the time we had our son. Um, okay, gotcha. Well, sure everything very was cool. a haze then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got the call while I was on paternity leave. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll apply and went through the process. And I ended up getting hired um, and becoming supplier diversity uh, full time for the first time in my career after. And this is 2018. So after my first exposure to supplier diversity in 2007, 11 years later, I got to actually be in the space full time. And I think that this role provides me with something that I'm interested in and also something that I'm good at. And it's Mm -hmm. something that I've been looking for. I don't think I've ever had that match in my career up until this point. So I'm, I'm very thankful to be in the role that I'm in. Um, and, and I'm excited to see what more we can do uh, in this space with Freddie Mac. Oh, that's so great. I mean, just listening to your story, it's something that I say all the time. It's like the three-legged stool of where purpose meets passion meets skill set. And I mean, yeah, I mean, we, you, you didn't say that, but I can tell so much how passionate you are about this just mm-hmm. because of all the initiatives and how extensive your development program is and, you know, how you just raise your hand to, to jump in on some of these projects because it was something you were personally passionate about. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's been a great fit thus far. 
That's great. Yeah. So let's talk about John raising his hand here for a second. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we're both members of the FSRSD. <laughs> so, uh, Wait, John, Adam, go ahead. Can you tell us yeah. that acronym just for our listeners, just so they all know? I'm, I'm, I'm careful that we don't we're throw kinda, away all these acronyms and just listen to yes, yes. all the acronyms. Oh, my, oh my gosh. It's, it's worse than when I was in the military. I swear to you. I think we're going to have to start a separate page, Chloe, or maybe we just have a whole episode. We go over uh, the acronyms <laughs> and the business. Acronyms again. and terms. Yes be an hour anyway uh fsrsd is financial services roundtable for supplier diversity so we are the industry group of record for a number of different 501c3s we're a 501c6 uh so that's a, a pretty big organization it's made up of member banks so freddie mac is in there truest pnc wells and a bunch of other notables uh, are participants uh, or members of that uh, john in particular though is a member of several of our different committees and uh is on the supplier development committee can you believe that i know that's a shock <laughs> shocker i know shocker. if you've listened to him talk i'm sure you never saw that one coming um you probably had to end. do it from scratch and everything <laughs> gosh y'all are really making him work <laughs> You know, we saw me like, oh, here comes a sucker. I mean, oh, here comes a guy that can really do a lot for us. <laughs> right. We're going to put you in charge of all the development for exactly. all of our suppliers. Yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, again, it just falls right into his skill set. Right. It so, does. John, talk to us a little bit about your uh, role on uh, the FSRSD and uh, some of the stuff you're doing in supplier uh, development and some of the exciting things that people want to kind of maybe be on the lookout for. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. So I joined uh, supplier, oh, excuse me, not supplier diversity. I joined <laughs> FSRSD um, a couple of years ago. I would sit in on the development committee meetings for my boss. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had some some restructuring on our team. So her responsibility, she, she basically got more responsibility. So I ended up having to sit on the on the committee full time, which obviously was was great. And from there, just being a part of the committee, I was asked to work on the webinar. So sitting on the supplier development committee, we have within the committee um, a team that puts together webinars. So last year was really my first full year I'm putting on webinars and the webinars are structured. So there's three webinars a year for supplier diversity professionals and three webinars a year for um, supplier diversity, uh, diverse suppliers. So mm -hmm. last year we did webinars on basically how to get ready for COVID um, right. around security. We did one, I'd actually did one on the supplier Academy. Um, this year we're looking to do uh, evergreen podcasts where we're able to talk about different supplier diversity topics um, and just for specifically uh, suppliers within the financial services industry. And mm -hmm. then we're also looking to put together some webinars. The webinars that we're looking at to put together this year are more around how does ESG play into your uh, mm -hmm. organization? So environmental, social, and governance. How does ESG awesome. play into your organization? How does sustainability play into your organization? And the, Which is the so idea, topical right now. Oh, it I really mean, is. So many I mean, companies really are really trying to figure out what does ESG mean to them and what does it look like within their organization? Absolutely. Um, and then we're looking for maybe a deep dive into integrating. We, one of the topics that we threw around was integrating a, divide, a divided world. So seeing how mm. government corporations and supplier diversity community can work together to bridge the gap of social and racial injustice. So these are just a few of the things that we're working on. Um, the development committee is a, is a great place 
um, for me to be. It's a, a great group of people that we work with. I mean, Adam knows them well. And I think that this really gave me a chance to kind of expand my horizons outside of Freddie Mac within the industry, but still um, reach different supplier diversity professionals and, and uh, diverse suppliers that I wouldn't have been able to reach if I just had been uh, inside of Freddie Mac. Wow. Yeah. And I think that that's a great point, regardless of what industry you're in, or if you're a corporate or if you're a, a WMBE, you know, make sure that you're taking uh, part in some of these external organizations, these other nonprofits, the chambers that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, every industry has a local chapter of something. Get into them. I mean, really get to know them. The B2B opportunities, just the uh, the informal mentoring that you can get uh, is, is invaluable in your personal and professional development. So uh, I, I don't think you meant to talk on that, John, but you definitely brought it up. And that is a fantastic point. No, it, it is something that I didn't expect to gain when I first, you know, you're just sitting in the meetings. Mm-hmm. But as I um, work with Camille and work with Marsha, and I've learned a lot from both of them and just being able to have the opportunity to own the webinar space and choose the topics and making sure that the topics are relevant. And, you know, it, it means a lot to to be able to get that validation from our colleagues that we participate with. Cause I look, uh, I think highly of everyone within the group and to be able to have that validation on whether your ideas or the webinars went well or things like that, it helps. It does provide you with a, a level of personal and professional growth that I yeah. wouldn't have got if I didn't participate or if I just mm-hmm. sat on the committee and not, and not say anything at all. Yeah. I couldn't, agree, I couldn't agree with you more. John, I, I, I want to ask a question, you know, given that it's January 12th, 2021, how did, you know, you guys sort of help some of your diverse suppliers through COVID yeah. or, you know, did you find that there was any sort of extra need during this time, during this last sort of, you know, year um, or ongoing support that you think a lot of your diverse suppliers will need? Yeah, um, actually, and, and I'll, I'll refer back to our partnership with the uh, with enterprise supply chain. So one thing that our VP of, of uh, enterprise supply chain did early was he reduced the payment terms to 10 days mm. for mm. our small and diverse mm-hmm. businesses. So Jay Powell said in his uh, one of his remarks earlier in the in the during the crisis, he said that he did not want he wanted the Fed to do everything in their power so that a liquidity issue didn't turn into a solvency issue. And I think that with the move that William made in enterprise supply chain to to reduce the payment terms, that was huge. And I I heard from a a number of suppliers on how much that meant to them to have the payment terms reduced so that they could maintain their cash flow and could maintain that liquidity. Um, We also sent out two surveys, um, one in May and then one in October to ask our suppliers how have you been dealing with the crisis? You know, were you able to get PPP loans? Did you have to pivot your business model or make adjustments? Mm-hmm. Did you have to lay people off? Because we want to kind of understand the landscape of the suppliers that we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that we did was um, back to kind of development in the supplier academy was make the pivot from an in-person. And we didn't just want to be like, all right, well, we can't do it this year. So we'll just wait till we can come back in person. How do right. we make this five-month in-person program into something that 
can be consumed virtually. Um, so we made the change from a five-month program to a four-week program, which was held virtually. And it actually ended up with more intentional nature. So we worked with our inclusion and diversity action teams, which we have in all of the business areas or all the business decisions and, or business divisions. And they each mm-hmm. have supplier diversity goals and workforce diversity goals. So we talked to them about the supplier diversity goals and, and asked them, what are the categories that you all need for this year? What are the categories mm-hmm. that we can help you with for this mm-hmm. year from a diverse supplier perspective to meet your goal? And they were able to provide us with that information. And from that partnership and that collaboration, we were able to source uh, seven suppliers for last year's academy. And then the resulting was that all seven suppliers either won work or uh, received the opportunity to bid for work based off of their participation in the academy. That is so wonderful. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. So that's an interesting question, John. So you moved your um, format to a digital format. And I think that's something that we were discussing kind of before we got into this session was we've had to move a lot of stuff over to digital. And as things start to improve and people become vaccinated, that type of thing, do you see yourselves running two parallel programs, one in in person and one virtual? Does it become hybrid? Do you ditch digital altogether and go back to live? I mean, what do you, what do you kind of foresee uh, happening in that space? I actually, the virtual environment for Supplier Academy works very, mm-hmm. very well. And I think that this is going to be the format that we use going forward. Mm-hmm. But interesting, a big part of the Academy and what we don't want to lose and what we've seen in the past is the camaraderie. The yeah, the pitch. Mm-hmm. The pitch actually works great on the uh, virtual because we mm-hmm. we were able to use breakout rooms to do right. uh, three categories at the same time. Whereas Brilliant. when we were doing it in person, everybody had to be in the same room. We had to schedule and tell people when to show up. Now mm-hmm. we can have three categories going at the same time. But it's it's that community that forms as a result of mm-hmm. everyone going through this process together. So I know the 2019 class was very close. The 2018 class got close. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't want to lose that. So I think the, the hybrid model will be to figure out how we can do some sort of alumni event once, you know, uh, once the world opens back up and everyone's mm-hmm. vaccinated, but how can we continue nice. to do alumni events at least maybe once or twice a year with the business purpose, of course, but we also want the suppliers to be able to network with each other because another right. result of the program is that oh, there's yeah. been some instances where, uh, our diverse suppliers would partner with each other or someone would be a tier two supplier or they would just outright partner. So yep. I don't want to lose that aspect, but we will no. definitely stay with the virtual format going forward. Because the other thing is in four weeks, it allows us to do more than one program a year. Mm-hmm. So yes. as opposed to when we were doing uh, one program a year and we would have 10 to 12 suppliers. Now I can do one to five to seven suppliers, you know, three times a year. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, that, so now, now you've been more efficient with technology. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger outreach. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're kind of coming towards the end together. John, you've been an amazing guest today. Uh, but just one real quick question. If somebody's listening to this podcast and they uh, would love to try to to reach out, they want to do work with Freddie Mac, best way to uh, to start or initiate that contact with the bank and start building that relationship? Sure. Um, I would go to uh, freddiemac.com backslash suppliers. 
and fill out the supplier diversity program application. And that's what we use to, we pull that application down and then we review all the responses and all the applications that are a part of that. And then we make a Mm -hmm. determination. Uh, We reach out to people based off of business area needs. But what I would also, what I would suggest is just be knowledgeable. Freddie Mac has a lot of information on the website. Um, There's Mm freddiemac.com. You can go to the research part. You can look at all the divisions and what, um, what each division is is doing and educate yourself on the secondary mortgage market and educate yourself on what you feel Freddie Mac's business needs are um, and then sign up because I know it's a, it's a, as we talked about before, it's it's kind of a space that not everyone is familiar with, but Mm -hmm. I would start there. I would sign up for the supplier diversity program application again, freddiemac.com backslash suppliers. And then my team and I, we sit down and we make sure that we go through those applications and reach out to people as, as the business needs arrive. It's awesome. That's great. John, so do the, when they're applying, do they have to be certified already or self-certify? Oh, yeah. We, we self-certify. So okay. um, we do ask for a copy of your certification if you are certified, mm-hmm. but we do self-certify. So we accept if you say, you know, you're 51% woman or minority owned, we do that. As long as you can prove that we can self-certify. Got, Got it. it. Wonderful. Well, wonderful. Thank you, John, so much for no, it's been awesome. sharing all of this information about the development program, about about Freddie Mac and how people can get connected. I mean, just some quick takeaways. I mean, just the awareness, focusing on specialty, really, really doing the advocacy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're doing a great job and it sounds like Freddie Mac is lucky to have you. Oh, thank you very much. So true. So true. And so is the FSDR by the way. Or FSRSD. S- <laughs> right, right. Yes. All these acronyms. I, I, I it's, it's, it's so hard to keep them straight. It's so hard. It to is. Keep them straight. It is. It actually, for, it probably took me three months to say FSRSD correctly. Yeah, a, it's a mouthful. For sure. For sure. For, for sure. sure. <laughs> All right, John. Well, thank you so much for your time today. No and we look forward to continuing right. to see how Freddie Mac continues to grow and all the suppliers that you guys continue to work with. Awesome Awesome job. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.